Okay, we're going to begin a new series today. And it'll lead us up to the Easter season, which would be appropriate. There's so many things I like to say at Easter, there's only so much time. So we'll get started early. But I want to talk about death and resurrection, and uh, which is the human condition and God's response to the human condition. The human condition uh, is, of course, that we die. So in chapter 3 of Genesis, we have the beginning of what would be death. And we'll begin to talk about it. But we have to start with this. Humans were never meant to die. Humans were not meant to die. God didn't make humans so they would die. God made humans with a plan that they would live down here on earth and grow and develop and become what they ought to come and then go up to heaven without dying. That was the plan that God had. God didn't make people so they would die. Right? And it comes, of course, as you know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan comes and says, did God say don't eat uh, Don't listen to God. And so they disobeyed, ate of the fruit. And in chapter 3, we have what's called the curse. Verse 17, chapter 3 of Genesis. And unto Adam, God said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, as eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. All right, so he says, first we're going to curse the ground. Thorns also and thistles shall bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. So the first curse is on the ground itself. And that means those, those uh, weeds that grow, they weren't there before. <laughs> All this stuff that uh, makes it hard, it wasn't there before. All right, and so suddenly it becomes a lot harder to grow things. Before everything was on a tree, you go up and eat it and you're all set. Verse 19, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat thy bread. All right, so you're going to have to work. The second curse is work. Right? We tell people it's a virtue to be hard working, and it is a virtue. It's not anything good to be lazy. But you understand that part of that work was made necessary because of the curse. Now, till thou return to the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shall thou return. So it made you out of the ground, took pieces of the ground, elements, put it together, turned you into a human body, breathed into you, and you became a living soul. He said, now what's going to happen is you're going to deteriorate until you die. You're going to die. Humans were not meant to die, but they're going to die. And how does it come to be? Well, that's how it comes to be. It's the curse. Curse. And so, number one, uh, God's response to humans dying. All right? God made a response. And in Ezekiel, we don't have to turn to this one. But it's given as a general rule, law, this, this is it, the soul that sins, it shall die. So that was the law. It couldn't be changed. 
if you were in rebellion against God and you refuse to cooperate with God, then you're going to have to die. So humans, he says, through Adam came into uh, the human condition death. And no matter how hard we try to cover it up, or how hard we try to avoid it, it just comes. You can't stop it. It just comes. Now, there are things that we know about death from the Bible. We're going to put together a little list. Uh, of course, it's unnatural. Remember, it's an unnatural thing. How many people have been there when people have died? As few of you have been there when people have died. Um, as a pastor, I've had lots of opportunities to be around when people die. And uh, it has something about it that, to me, it's very unnatural. Right? But we can learn to look at it in a, in a better way, I think. We've got to know what the Bible says about it. And so the Bible tells us things about death. And I'm going to go through three or four of these so that you get it. Uh, we get like a little list of thinking about death. And the first one is in Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter number twenty. We have here Hezekiah the king, and uh, he wasn't that old. But chapter twenty: In those days, was Hezekiah sick to death? He's going to die. Prophet Isaiah. Son of Amos came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. You are going to die. A message from God. He turned his face to the wall, prayed to the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember how I have walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And so one of the things about death is that it has connected to it there's a sadness. It's always been there. There's always that in it. All right, you can't help it. And Hezekiah is sad. And it came to pass before Isaiah was gone to the middle court. He turned around and walked away. The Lord came to him saying, Turn again, tell Hezekiah the cat my people. Thus saith the Lord God of David, I heard your prayer. Seeing your tears, I will heal thee on the third day. Thou shalt go down to the house of the Lord. I will add to thy days 15 years. So God says, stop that. You're crying, feeling really sad, and I'm going to change it. I'm going to give you 15 more years. So it's a recognition of God on the sadness of death. Now, Ecclesiastes is a book that's full of wisdom, and it has a lot to do with Life and death, it explains things. And you've heard this one, certainly. Uh, the second one. To everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. And so there is a time to die. There comes a time for all of us when it's time. And it becomes pretty clear as it gets close that, that the time is coming. All right, it's clear enough, and we can see that when it comes. So we know that as we think about death, there's a sad thought about it, but there is a time, God has set a time when you're going to die. Does that mean you can't uh, get hurt until then? No, if you jump off a cliff, you're going to die from that. 
climb up the steeple and jump off, you're not going to live. All right? But God didn't do that. All right? You allow your life to unfold and just let it roll the way God has a plan. He's got a time set, and you can do it in his time. And so that's something that we really need to think about. God has a time when Eric is no more. Now that's good. I'll take that time. I'll be busy till then, but I'll, when that time comes, okay, my time has come. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 <coughs> is a very important one, and this is one that I use more than anything else when I'm standing by a graveside, which I do often. Ecclesiastes 12:7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was when people die, and it gives the reasons for people dying up through to chapter 7. So the dust shall return to the earth as it was, or the human body going to fail and go back into the ground, deteriorate, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. And so at the point of death, uh, we return to God. All right? Everybody does. So, well, not people who don't believe in Jesus. Yes. They're going up to God too. But what happens when they get there is another story. Okay? But everybody will go to God and you're going to face God. For some happy times, others not so good. All right? And then, and here's why in Hebrews chapter 9, uh, is you get this good comment here. It's a very much a part of how we think. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, and look at verse 27. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. All right, and so, once to die, we get to die. He says in Ecclesiastes, we return to the Lord. Well, we return to be judged. We die, and then we're judged. God says, all right, let's look at you. See how you made out in that. And so I'm going to put another one in here which changes a lot. It's funny how the Bible has these two points of view. Because remember, death is it's a sad thing. And we're going to talk about resurrection tied in with that. And that's God responding to, well, they got themselves in a mess this time. Boy, what a mess they made. God's going to respond to that, and we're going to begin to see these things happen. And God's doing something about this issue of death. All right, he's helping us to think about it. And this one is really important. Psalms number 116. Psalms number 116, and, and uh, <coughs> verse number 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So when God looks at somebody who trusts in him with all their heart and lives for him, and he's thinking, well, uh, this is good. Uh, he says, this is very precious. Their death means, of course, what? We'll be reunited. We'll be reunited. And he looks forward to that. He looks forward to us being face to face with him. 
he's, he's anxious for that to happen. So he said, when, when saints, when people who believe in God are dying, and I remember the story of my great-grandmother back in Norway, my great-grandmother uh, was dying. And my grandmother, Ulavina, you've heard me speak of her, uh, she was by the bed taking care of her mother as she died. And suddenly, just before she breathed her last breath, she said, look, there's a bright light just outside the window. And then she died. And my grandmother told that story many times. But here's what they said about my grandmother. In those days, they brought a casket to the house, and then you put the people in the casket, you carried them to the cemetery. The cemeteries weren't miles away. There were a few here, there. And so they came, brought the casket, put the body in, and they walked to the cemetery. And they said, my grandmother walked with her hand in the casket, singing all the way to the cemetery. She understood that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And she said, I don't know what she saw out the window, but I think it was an angel or somebody that came to get her. And she saw that purse, that light out there and she spoke of it just before she died so I feel good we're going to sing all the way to cemetery I hope they do that with me if you've got to walk a little ways I'm sorry it's over there I hope they sing on the way to cemetery I'm, ha I'm going to be having the time of my life so the Bible tells us some things about death it's a sad time. It's, there's a time that comes. We're going to go back to God. Everybody, uh, they're going to be judged, but there is a preciousness when we know God. And as some of my observations being around death, I'm just going to share with you a couple stories that have come. Uh, number one, my first observation is it takes time to die, and most people are very impatient. Living people are impatient. That it takes time to die. And I don't know how many times. So many times people come up to me and say, why can't they just die? Because it takes time to die. And you have to accept that when you're going to deal with death. It takes time to die. And then the second thing you got to realize is that God is very present when somebody's dying. He's very present. God's presence, we promise when we meet together in his name, God promises. Uh, but there's something about dying that's a very, there's God is very present. You can feel him very easily. And then I would say this, a third observation. Some people die hard. They just die hard. And then some people die so easy. And uh, death is a, it's an extraordinary thing, and I can't explain it. Uh, I've seen people just in agony and going on and on and dying and uh, trusting in God, but it's, it's a hard, hard road. And uh, then I've seen my father-in-law, we were sitting and talking to him in his bed. Uh, they gave him medication. We went out of the room, and they rolled him over, and got him set, and we walked in, and he died just like that. We were talking to him, laughing and talking and fooling around, and in two minutes, he was dead. 
And that's the easiest I ever saw anybody die. And his family had to seem to have that. Uh, his father was walking down the cellar stairs, got to the bottom, sat down and died. And so it can be either way. It can be a hard road. And the best thing you can read for that, if you want the most information available, is Pilgrim's Progress. At the end of Pilgrim's Progress, uh, the second part, there's a whole group of them traveling to heaven, and they come to the river. Death has often been described as crossing a river. And some of those people get halfway out and the water's over their head and they're gasping for air and struggling and know if they're going to make it. And other people, they said, just walk right through like it was an inch deep, went to the other side. Some people die easy and some people die hard. And there's no calling it. You know, we do as a society what we can to make it easy, but uh, I, I don't think that we are always successful with that. <clears throat> Different opinions about that. Secondly, another thing I recommend is that you always talk to people as they're dying. They can hear you, and most everybody agrees that they can be heard. So they said you need to talk to people when they're dying, and nobody really likes to do that. And when my mother was dying, the whole room was full of people. Nobody would say anything. So being big, mean Uncle Eric, I said, you, come here. Go over and say hello to Grandma. So they said hello. Hey, Grandma. I said, you can't say it so she can hear you. So then she said, hi, Grandma. And she opened her eyes and smiled. And opened her eyes in three, four days. But you want to hear, people want to hear a voice. And I had two cases. One case where I went in, a whole room full of people are all sitting around, nobody's talking to the poor lady. She's gasping for breath and struggling and struggling. So I went up to her and I said her name, and I said, you need to relax, dear, relax. And she went, <sighs> and everybody thought, Dad, you killed her. But I didn't. She just finally relaxed. And she lasted another hour or two just calm and as could be. We need to talk to people. And then I went on the opposite side. I went to a room where nobody was there. A lady was dying and no family showed up. And so I went into the room and sat with her. And she was heaving up and down the bed. And I said to her, Dear, you just need to relax. Let's trust in God. I said it loudly, right in her ear. That's how you talk to people who are dying, right in their ear. I said it loudly, and I said, you need to trust God. And she just calmed right down. And about an hour, she was dead. And so people need to hear your voice when they're dying. Don't be afraid of it. It's okay. It will help a lot. Uh, how does it feel when the soul separates from the body. Well, I think there's different feelings about that. But there are some authors who said, it must be very painful to pull the two apart that have been glued together your whole life. Disagree. Disagree with that. I think it's free. 
I think it's free. Uh, you, there are accounts. People write books that I had a death experience. And, and in general, some of them are kooks. I mean, you don't have to read long. This guy's kooky. He's making it up as he goes. But there are honest people who have written. And most all of them will say the same thing. It just floated up. And my father had a dream when I was a young kid. And he always went upstairs and prayed in his room. And we were told there was no noise in the house. Don't you touch that door. He's up there praying. You keep your mouth shut and respect that. And we always did. Well, he came down one time after quite a long time. And he said, oh, you can't believe what happened. He said, I dreamed I died. And I just lifted up my body. And I floated right through the window. And I was going up, and I could look back at the house, and uh, you all here. And I knew I was leaving you, but he said, it felt so good. It felt so good. And he said, I was not sad for one moment that I was leaving you, because it was just liberating and free, and I was going up to heaven. And he said, and then I woke up. And he said, I cried and cried when I woke up, because I wanted to go. I wanted to go, and we understood that that was probably God rewarding him for his prayer life. He spent a lot of time in prayer with God, and God said, here's what it's going to be like, Odie, and he gave him a little ride for a while and then sent him back. So uh, I do not think that death itself is difficult. I say some people die hard. It's the physical body struggling. Uh, the soul, like grandma singing, she knows they're free. It's good. It's a good thing. And so, yeah, I recommend some of those thoughts about death. And then all of a sudden, God throws in these things, and you say, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Genesis chapter 3, okay, is when death is announced, you're all going to die. And then comes Genesis chapter 5, just a couple pages over. In verse 22, Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters. All the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. All of a sudden, a couple generations after Adam falls and sin is announced as death on every human, here's a human that doesn't die. He just disappeared. They couldn't find him. Where'd he go? What did that happen? How'd he get there? I don't know. How come he didn't die? I don't know. What was there about him? It says he walked with God. He lived in a very close relationship with God. He spent his time praying, talking to God, and he just went up and didn't die. And then we go over to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, and we get the second case of it. Now, several hundred years have gone by now, maybe a couple thousand years, and uh, we get Elijah. In 2 Kings 2, <coughs> verse number 11, it came to pass as they, that's Elijah and Elisha, went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, parted them asunder. And Elijah went up to 
by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it, cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. He took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces, picked up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, went back, stood by the bank of Jordan, took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, smote the waters, said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? After he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. Elisha went over. So Elijah goes, zoom, up to heaven. Why did that happen? So I want to know why Enoch and Elijah didn't die. God doing something. God's always doing something. And he's doing something to deal with the issue of the human nature, which is we're all going to die. We're all going to face this thing called death. And so God takes two of these guys right up to heaven. Elijah and Enoch both go straight to heaven and we asked the question then why didn't they die how is it possible it says the soul that sinneth it shall die so why did they escape it well God is doing something God is doing something he takes these two guys up now trying to guess at what God's doing isn't always a good idea alright I've tried that at times and I've been wrong alright so you can't always guess at what God's doing, but people over the years have asked the question, why did these two guys not die? What is there about them that made them extraordinary and unique? And we are guessing now. I think it's a good guess, but we're guessing. We're in Revelation chapter number 11, and we start at verse number 3. I will give power to my two witnesses. So there's two people in the end of time when the Antichrist is running the world. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score sixty days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And so there appears in Jerusalem two witnesses for God. Antichrist is running things and everybody's against God. The whole population of the earth is turning against Not There's a few faithful people. And these two guys show up. And uh, people have guessed, okay, it's Elijah and Enoch. Why? Well, let's see what happens. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. So he says... These guys are able to, you oppose me, bang, you're burned up. Now that happened before. Elijah was up on a mountain and the king said, get up there and drag that guy down here. I want him in front of me now. So he, the captain takes 50 men, goes up to Elijah. The king says, come now. And Elijah says, let fire come from heaven and burn these people up. And 50 of them are gone. So they go back to the king. Well, that wasn't successful. Well, get 50 more and get him down here. I would tell him I want him now. And the 50 go up the hill. So the king says no, and he's not taking no for an answer. Okay, says Elijah. Fire from heaven, down it comes, burns another 50. So there's a hundred crisp corpses on the hill. King I don't care. Go up again. 
sends 50 more. Now the guy leading this time is smarter than the rest. And he goes, please, 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 please don't burn us to a crisp. Please. And they're walking among the bodies that are all crispy all over the ground. Please, 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 please don't do it. Please don't do it. I don't mean you harm. King made me come. He said, okay, I'll go see the king. <laughs> but Elijah has power. And he has power three times. He called down fire on a sacrifice, first of all, on Mount Carmel, when he had a contest with 400 prophets of Baal. And then he called down fire twice more on these guys and burned a a hundred men up in the army. And so it says there's the, one of these, these prophets, it says these two witnesses, he said they have the power to devour people with fire. Could be Elijah. If any man hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. They have the power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Who did that? Elijah did that. Elijah in the past said, it's not going to rain for three years or until I say so. And he walked away and they all laughed. That kooky guy from God, he don't know nothing. And then after two and a half years, when everything is crisp and nothing grows, find him! Wherever he is, find him. So he had the power to do that. And then it says they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. Now some people say because of that they think the other one's Moses. Because Moses changed the water to blood in the Nile River and he filled plagues, Egypt with plagues at the tip of his fingers all the time. So they think, well maybe it's Elijah and Moses. They could be right. They could be right. We're trying to answer the question, why didn't Enoch die? And why didn't Elijah die? And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, shall overcome them and kill them. Well, they are going to die after three and a half years. Their dead bodies shall be in the street of the great city. That's Jerusalem, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord also was crucified. So Jerusalem. So they're in Jerusalem witnessing for God. The Antichrist comes, kills them. And they and the people and kindreds and tongues of the nations see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. So leave them there so we can all rejoice that these pain in the necks are gone. They that dwell in the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts one to another because the two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. After three days and a half the spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood on their feet. That'll make that hair stand up on the back of their neck. Three and a half days dead. Everybody's having a party over it and then all of a sudden Resurrection. They're alive. So people think Enoch and Elijah didn't die because their death is going to come later. And God will send them back to earth. They will be the witnesses for God in the last days. They will be killed and God will resurrect them after three and a half days. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. They ascended uh, to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. Won't that be something? Do you remember that ever happening before where somebody went up and, yeah, Jesus, right? 
went up and disappeared in the clouds. So uh, the question comes then, why didn't Enoch and Elijah die? How to come those two didn't die? I mean, we've got to answer the question. Because we're going to think about what God's doing. All right, here it is. God has power over death. Don't think he doesn't. He does. He has power over death. Before Jesus died on a cross, he had power over death. Nothing is out from under his power. And death was in his control before that happened. So Enoch didn't die. Why? Because God said, I don't want you to die. You're coming up here because God can do and say whatever he wants. God can make things happen. And death had no limitation to God. Now, the fact that humans all die, say, what is that? Well, that's the result of the consequences of our action. And in general, God says, that's okay. And it may be that these two witnesses are gone up to heaven. They're going to get their turn to die because soul that sins, it shall die. And that could be what it is. Point being that God reigns supreme. Death has its place. And he said, we're going to die but he could change things. And so we will go through over the next few weeks examples of resurrection. Why did God allow certain times death to be reversed? What lesson was he doing? How was he speaking to the human race and saying, watch this, now watch this. This person is going to come alive, going to resurrect. And we'll have six times in the Bible of resurrection, then things go crazy all of a sudden, and there's resurrection all over the place. And so, over the next few weeks, we'll begin looking at one example at a time of resurrection and how God reversed it and why He didn't. Try to figure out why He would reverse it. We, are we going to be right about everything? No, but we're going to think about it. All right, we're going to think about it and try to understand God's power over death and what he's trying to teach us by, first of all, some people that don't die, and then why people that he's going to bring back to life here, there, and everywhere. And some of the occasions are unexplainable except for the power of God. We'll go on next week. Thank you.